Hey there, welcome back to Time Limit. This week, I'm happy to welcome Sean Van Dyke to the show. If you've checked out Team Gant's live classes, and you should if you haven't already, you might recognize the name because Sean has done two classes with us so far. He's a construction business coach and the author of two books. There's a ton of ground that I can cover with Sean in this conversation because he's really knowledgeable when it comes to running construction projects and building construction businesses. He works with construction business owners, executives, and managers all over the world and shows them how to stop losing profits and wasting time. In this conversation, we talk all about everything from how to get construction businesses in order to how to achieve work-life integration. Yep, you heard me right. It's work-life integration, not work-life balance. Keep listening to hear a little bit more on that. All right, Sean Van Dyke, thank you so much for joining us on Time Limit today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. We're, you're a good friend of Team Gantt, and we really appreciate that. You know, you've done live classes for us about planning and budgeting construction projects. So I figured we could talk a little bit about the construction business and how you encounter project management uh, on construction projects and even with some of your clients. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. So, so let's kind of start at the top. So your business focuses on helping construction business owners to set goals and get organized and run more profitable businesses. Um, what's the most common challenge those clients bring to you? Yeah, well, I, I deal specifically with the construction industry. And even within that niche there, most of my clients are residential uh construction business owners, uh, and that could that could be either remodelers or custom home builders, or I even have several clients that are trade contractors that maybe work for other contractors or other, uh, or other professionals, whether it's maybe developers or someone else in the construction industry. Okay. Um, and, and so the residential and the, and the commercial and certain aspects are, are, completely different animals mm-hmm. um, in certain aspects of the business, not when it comes to the financials or especially the project management, uh, <laughs> but just some of the interactions and some of the systems that need to be uh, put in place. But so most of most of my clients are at, uh, if not 100 percent, they're a majority in the residential space. So um, that that gets into a little bit different management of expectations when it comes to the earlier systems like sales, marketing, and those kind of things. But once a project is underway, construction is construction. It's all about uh, proper setting proper expectations, the systems that allow you to operate and deliver what it is that you're selling, um, and then the structures around that that delivery process. Um, but the I would say that the most common challenge that that my clients face really kind of it comes in in two different aspects. Um, one, the what I call the tactical aspect uh, that my clients face is just understanding the financial side of their business. There's a lot of construction business owners, especially in the residential, and this applies for commercial too, but uh, a lot of them start their businesses because they're really, really good at their craft. And so they go out and start doing work for other people because they're known to be a very good technician or practitioner of their trade or their craft or whatever it is. And then when when you're good at something, then then your reputation spreads and they get busier and they get more work and they get more clients. And then they look up a couple of years down the road and, and they or they look back and they say, 
wow, I, 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 I've never really had to go out and get any work. It's always come in. I've always been really busy, but here I am three years, five, in, five years into my business and I don't have any money. Like it's not getting, it's not getting any better. And so once they kind of have that realization, they contact me, they, they kind of have this moment where they, they're finally admitting out loud to someone else other than themselves, uh, that they really don't understand where the money is or how the money is made, or they, they have a feeling of how the money is made, but they don't know how to keep any of it. Um, and so <laughs> at a very tactical level, my clients are reaching out because they don't understand and they think that they have done something wrong. Uh, because uh, as you know, from owning your own businesses and, and being in the operations and helping, helping run other businesses is that we often feel very alone because we feel like we're the only ones with this problem. Right. Uh, but when they talk to me or they talk to other mentors or other business coaches, uh, they'll find out, no, what you're experiencing is very, very common. People just don't admit it or they don't say it out loud a whole lot because they feel embarrassed or they feel lonely. Um, and in my job, that's why I say I have one of the greatest jobs in the world because the, their problems are very solvable. They just need some new information. And when you provide them with that information and a, pla a plan of how to execute that, then a lot of those fears and frustrations that they've been dealing with for years start to get solved and they go away and they see this massive amount of growth in a very short time because they've got all the tools in place and they certainly know how to perform the work. And so filling in, understanding those financials finally comes into play and they finally start pricing their work right. Um, they understand what their profit and loss statement means and they know how to charge for the value of their work meaning they know what to charge that's going to make a profit. A lot of them are charging enough to make a living, but that's not enough uh, to, to cover all of the aspects of when running a business. Um, so that's kind of the first, the first tactical sort of challenge that, that we deal with. And I say understanding the financials is, is just math. And once you understand the math of your business and specifically the math of a construction business, um, then, the great thing about math is you only have to learn it once. Math never changes. It's always the same. Right. You just you just have to keep applying it and you can you can really make some headway in your business. Now, everything else in your business is going to change. Market conditions, trends, um, uh, products and, and, and building science, all these things are constantly evolving. And if you have employees, oh, man, employees will change your business. Uh, but but the math of the business is never going to change. Uh, so you just have to keep applying it. So that, that would be the first thing that, that I think is the biggest challenge for a lot of construction business owners to overcome is just understanding how the numbers work. Um, but in order to get there, in order to uh, carve out some time to understand that and to apply that, that gets into the bigger uh, the bigger problem or the bigger challenge that a lot of my clients have, um, and I call this more the strategic problem, is the time management. Is saying, okay, we now we've we we know how the math works. Uh, we know that we have to apply the markup in this certain way. We know that we need to spend some time calculating the cost for any particular project. That's great. Well, because we're busy, when do we find the time to do that? And so the time management part. That's why I say it's kind of a more strategic sort of thing where you have to step back and plan for the. You have to plan for the time uh, and create that time and that space in your 
really in your weekly calendar to focus on certain aspects of your business. And that ultimately is the bigger problem. So we can solve some financial problems and understand, understanding the financial aspects. That's just putting, putting in the work and, and learning those applications. But the bigger issue is, okay, when we're done with this coaching call or, we're, or ne- next week comes around, the phone's going to start ringing. Those little fires are going to pop up. And so we've got to be able to somehow organize what seems so chaotic. And that really comes down to organizing and planning our time uh, before the, the universe turns, turns everything into chaos. And that's the harder problem is stepping back and understanding how to manage your time. Yeah. I'm not surprised by any of this. So you know, me coming from the the digital industry, uh, I have faced and experienced the same issues with business owners, right? So you start out as a freelance designer or developer, right. you start to gain a reputation, you start a business, you start getting great clients, things start to grow and expand. And then you have an oh no moment where it's like, okay, this thing can can keep growing, but I need to wrap my arms around it and figure out exactly how to grow this thing properly and how to manage it properly. So you know, employees are happy, clients, most of all, are happy, and that you're happy. But I think this is a, an interesting segue to, so you've written a couple of books. One of them mm-hmm. is the the Paperwork Punch List, which is really, to me, it's kind of like a 28-day guide to getting your business in order, which I think is really cool. Um, what is, are those challenges kind of what led you to writing the Paperwork Punch List? Yeah. So the paperwork punch list is really the result of, I guess, an epiphany that I had one day when I I thought about uh, starting this specifically this coaching and consulting business um, that I'm that I'm doing now is I really it's it's kind of funny how it it came about. I had this idea. I thought, well, maybe I I can become a consultant and I can teach people um, what I have done for my own businesses and other businesses that that I've helped um, run and operate. Uh, and I really struggled with w- for a while thinking, well, what could I teach somebody? And I always skipped over the stuff that I was doing every day, meaning the the the, the systematic stuff, the the meetings, the invoicing, the estimating, the contract structure, the sales process. Because I automatically thought, well, if I'm going to really help businesses grow and do these sorts of things, it's got to be this big the big things, the the big stuff. And then I had, I had an epiphany one day and I can't exactly remember where I heard it, but, but I realized that the key to success for anybody that's offering advice or consulting or some coaching is what is, um, what is common knowledge to me as somebody that's been in the business and running construction businesses or owning construction business for over 20 years, that the stuff that's common to me is expert knowledge to somebody else. And so when I realized I don't need to come up with this big elaborate plan to help construction business owners make these huge leaps, what they really need is the basic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the sales, uh, the scheduling, the estimating, uh, the hiring process, all of these sorts of things that had become like second nature to me just because I'd been in it for so long and not because I was smart enough and and had all this stuff figured out from day one. No, it's I say any success that I had came because I was too stupid to give up and <laughs> I, I just kept going in that and I was and I wanted to figure it out. And so I had that moment I said, wait a minute. I just need to focus on the basic stuff because what's basic to me uh, is exactly what other contractors or other construction business owners need 
to move their businesses forward. So I kind of took a step back and say, okay, if I was starting over again, what are the what are the or I said what are the questions that I get most often from my network, my network of other contractors and other uh, construction company owners, and just really people that would call me up and say, hey, Sean, what do you what do you do for your contracts? How do you structure this contract? Or I had this client say this thing in this you know as we were trying to you know sell this project and and they had this question I didn't know how to respond. I said, oh, well, here's what I would say. And so I just realized that there was there's a whole bunch of information around the basic stuff. That's what people really, really want. You get them pulled in and, and to the basic stuff and executing really well on that. Then you get the privilege to work on much bigger problems. Because once you solve the basic stuff, the problems just get bigger. Uh, but, <laughs> you get, but you get your time back right. because the bigger problems take more strategic planning. They take um, they take more thinking. Um, and, uh, a lot of times construction business owners are caught up with the, with the basic stuff that, that helps move their, move their companies forward. And so for me, it was just like, just focus on the basic, help people with the basic stuff. And then you'll get the, you'll earn the privilege to get to work on bigger problems. Yeah. And I think the paperwork punch list is really good at that. I mean, it's, it basically walks you through the process of getting everything in order. And one of the things that really stood out to me was you start with a statement in the beginning that says, change the way you act, work, and think. And then you basically outline three statements that are in all caps, be happy, be persistent, be creative. So to me, that that caught my eye right away. Um, you know, I think it's really motivational and in some ways kind of unexpected for me. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily think to talk to a construction business owner in that way. Um, but it feels like a really great way to prepare someone for the action plan that you lay out. So I was wondering if maybe you could share a little bit about your thoughts behind those statements um, and maybe like if, if there's been any impact, if you've seen any impact with those statements on business owners? Yeah. So, so for me that, that, um, and you're right, it's like, Oh, I, I wouldn't expect that from, uh, you know, from somebody that's in the construction industry. And really that was more of a personal statement for me to remind myself, um, to get out of my, get out of my own way. And I, I don't know exactly where all of that came from, but, but each, each part of that, the be happy, be persistent, be creative has a little bit different of a story, um, to it of, of how it got to be there. So I'll Quickly run you through that. So I was working as the COO for a trim and millwork company, and when I came on board there, we had um, we were so we were doing high end finished carpentry in very high end homes, um, and we. I, I was brought on to help grow the company because the owner, typical construction business owner, excellent at his craft, uh, but had no idea how to manager or run this business that was about to run him over because his work was so good. Um, he had about eight, eight, uh, eight carpenters out in the field. And in the first 18 months that I was there, we went from eight guys out in the field to about 20. Um, so that's an extremely, uh, quick growth for a small, uh, trim and millwork company. And, um, so I, I was putting in a lot of hours, probably 60, 70 hours a week trying to figure out how to, 
you know, sustain this level of growth. And for me, the, the be happy part just came out of, cause I, I, at 60, 70 hours a week for a year and a half, um, I've started, I was a miserable person. I mean, I was just physically tired, mentally tired, and I had a lot of pressure, uh, on me. And, um, and I realized that for me, I was pouring everything into work thinking once I got the business to this certain point, um, then I could take a deep breath and that would make me more happy and that accomplishment. Well, that never happened because like I said, there were always bigger problems. You know, we went right. from eight guys to 12 guys then we went from 12 to 15 and then we had to, we had to work on management and we got some man, some guys in there to manage and lead the crews. But then those guys needed to be led. They, they were, we were developing leaders. So it's like, I, I've never done that before. Well, I got to learn something more about leadership. And so it was always this ongoing thing. And I've just realized it's not about putting in more time and, and making getting to a certain event, although we did achieve a lot and that felt good. There was always something more. And I realized if I if I wait on the happiness, then it's never going to come. And so that first part of, of, of uh, being happy, I just realized happiness is a choice. I'm going to choose to be happy first. And if I can if I can approach any situation, good or bad, and just be happy uh, uh, about that situation then it didn't really matter what the outcome was. The outcome was either good or bad, but it didn't necessarily, uh, wasn't going to affect, affect my happiness. Um, and so that's why I just kind of came up with, um, um, be happy and happiness is a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not an, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. So I wake up every day. So for me, what that meant was, is I decided that instead of working 60 hours a week, 60 to 70 hours a week, I wasn't going to work any more than 45 hours a week. I was just going to turn it off because working 60 hours a week wasn't making things great at home because um, I was working all the time. So I said, you know what? I'm going to dedicate myself first to my home life. And in order to do that, I need to work less. So I'll make that choice. And so I limited the time that I was going to give to work. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, something that I don't know, magical happened was that my home life improved because I wasn't working so much, but it also forced me to do the same amount of work that I was doing in 60 hours a week in 45. And so it's the whole Parkinson's law sort of thing that, you know, that says that, um, that work expands to fill the time that it's given. Right. So I just limited the amount of time. And the way that I limited that was by choosing to be happy and put some barriers in place to say, I'm not going to work a whole lot. And that's, and it and it completely transformed everything. The owner of the company came in. And I, I didn't advertise this. This was just something personally I was kind of going through. Uh, after a few weeks of doing this, the owner came in. We were having a meeting in in, in the office one day, and, and he even said, "He goes, Sean, um, what is what's wrong with you? Or what's changed?" He said, "What's changed?" Um, he was like, "You're completely different than you were a few weeks ago." And what he meant by that was like people like to interact with you. You seem happier. You're, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're more joyful around the office. Things are kind of just uh, rolling off your shoulders. It's no big deal. And I said, well, do you really want to know? He said, yeah. I said, I stopped working for you as much. I said, I only work <laughs> about 45 hours a week. And, uh, and I thought he was going to be like, well, we need to talk about that. You got But, but he had exactly the opposite. He was like, well, that's great. He's like, I'm excited for you. Keep doing that. You know, and that that so that's kind of where that be happy came from. Yeah, yeah. The, the be persistent just comes from like 
things are going to suck, especially when you're growing a business or you're managing a business. Um, but it's persistence uh, over a long period of time that's eventually going to pay off. Um, and so that's where that's where kind of just reminding myself to, to be perspective be persistent. And that's kind of my personality anyway, a little bit about that is just to remind myself that uh, it's not going to be easy and you keep, you know, you keep going, you get there one step at a time. And uh, the last part of that little slogan of be creative really came out of um, this time when I was thinking about walking away from this job. So I was at the, at the trim and millwork company for about four years. And then when I decided to, to walk away, I had come across Ed Catmull's book, uh, Creativity Inc. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Ed Catmull was one of the founders of Pixar. He worked with Steve Jobs. This was before, you know, everybody knows Pixar for Toy Story and all the great animated movies that that yep. they make. But before they were a software company. Um, and reading that book really opened my eyes up uh, to how to systematize, for lack of a better term, creativity. They have a creative process there. You know, we often we often think of people that you know being creative um, are just these free thinkers, and it's and they have these epiphanies, and it, but it's really not like that. So that be creative was just a reminder to say, um, you know, you can systematize creativity if you get the right people. Uh, in place and put the right structures in place. And so he describes in that book, and one of one of the big things for me was he had described going on, I think he called it like a five-day personal retreat or a silent retreat. That's what he called it. And I, that, to me, I was like, that doesn't even make sense. How can, how can you go somewhere and not talk and you're just alone with your thoughts? Uh, but he described this thing. And by that time, I had learned that most of the time when I thought something was stupid, um, I thought, well, that's a stupid idea. Like I just said, okay, every time I have that thought, I'm going to try it because I'm probably not as smart as I like to think that I am. And for me, that's what really made the change is when I got, when I got quiet with myself and I started doing even things that I thought was weird, like meditating and, and just being quiet, I realized how, how the voices in our head, uh, and all of the, all of the stuff, all the busyness, all the chaos from day to day just kind of builds up in there. And sometimes we just need to stop, turn that stuff off. And when we can, then the creative part of our brain kicks into high gear and it, it really helps produce things both personally and professionally. And, and then from that, you know, from practicing that kind of getting out of my own way and allowing this creative side, then the paperwork punch list came out, you know, very quickly after that, I was able to sit down and start writing that, putting together ideas for this coaching business. And, and now, I mean, here we are three years later and I've got a book, uh, published a book and, and it just all comes out of that, that three part kind of system of this is how we're going to act. This is how we're going to work. And this is how we need to think. Yeah. So I have to ask, how are you kind of managing to keep up with being creative? Do you set time aside to keep thinking about that stuff or do you have recommendations for that? Yeah. So for me, it's really, it's turned into the, you know, really weird thing, which I like talking about because people like you really do that. Yeah. So, so what I did when I wrote the paperwork punch list, because I was also working a full-time job, um, is I had to get up earlier. Uh, and so I just treated, I treated building this other business, um, as my second part-time job. And I also have five kids. So there is zero time in the day. And the only time in the day that I had was between about four o'clock and 
four o'clock in the morning and six thirty before I had to get ready to go to my other job. I said, okay, this is the time that I work on my other job. Um, and so I put in the time to write the paperwork punch list and start building some of that, that other, the other things for the, the construction business uh, or my consulting business. And then when I left the trim and millwork company went out on my own, I already had these, this two, two and a half hours every single day, every day, seven days a week. Um, and I used that time for my creative time because around here with five kids, it's not really very quiet ever. <laughs> I um, can believe that. <laughs> yeah. But that time in the morning is it w- really became sacred. So uh, I use that. to, And, and again, I, I use that to journal. I use it to meditate and pray. And I use it just as a time to get my thoughts down on paper. And I still to this day, that's still my same routine. I'm up at 430. Now, it's not every day. I mean, I'm, I am a human being and I get tired. Um, uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll miss some days. But in general, it, I've just trained myself now. I get up and I go through my morning routine and it's about two hours long between, you know, getting uh, getting in the right state of mind and just quiet and meditation and and writing some things down. And I and I'll go back to these notebooks or these journals that I have when I say, hey, what's what's the next thing I need to work on? What's going to be the next um, what's something I think that'll have an impact for my audience or for my own business? And it's usually there in my journal written down. It could be weeks or months old, um, but it's all it's all there. And so I've for me, it's a, an extremely valuable time. And because I uh, you know, get just back to the, like time management stuff, sometimes planning planning our days or planning our weeks, which even gets into planning projects. I plan projects now. They're just not construction projects. They're projects as it relates to growing my business. But same thing is, is um, creating that time, uh, that focused time for planning or being creative or uh, developing systems. Um, you can get so much more done when, you, when, you're, when I'm just focusing on that one or two type of tasks. Um, and so for me, it's just like, I, people will say, well, how, how has that been productive? And I say, well, I don't know other than it just is like, I'd never written a book before. And I spent two hours in the morning going through my morning routine and now I've published a book. So, right. You're that, using that works. time to its fullest. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. So I want to, I want to mention that you put out a really great newsletter. Um, and I, I receive it and I received one of the recent ones where you actually quoted Tony Robbins as saying, there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's work-life integration. And in the newsletter, you basically agreed and said that you published the paperwork punch list to help people integrate work and life. And I'd imagine, you know, this is kind of along the lines of what we're talking about, but for most business owners, their business is their life, right? And and kind of what you're talking about, like you're waking up at 4 a.m. because your business is your life and you're finding your time to time to squeeze that that work in and to be creative. But finding the opportunity for some people to relax um, can be tough. Like I I know that I'm one of those people that's always working, always thinking about work. You know, if I'm sitting at a softball game watching my kid or sitting in front of the TV, work's always on my mind. But what what kind of advice do you have for people who are trying to integrate and trying to be more comfortable, I guess, with the balance, even if the balance is kind of a little bit of a bad word in this instance. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like the word balance because it gives the impression that it's somehow got to be 50 50. And that is just there's just way too much pressure, especially if I mean, it, it, it it's a big difference. If you've got 50 or 100 people on your team, you have very defined roles and you have 
you have a structure in place that 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 produces uh, that produces a profit for whatever it is that you're doing. But for most small business owners, we're wearing 17 different hats. And so to think that like, oh, I need to be more balanced in my life. It's just it can be very devastating because you, you, I think you just have to step back and just say, no, I'm, I'm probably never going to be balanced because I chose to be a small business owner. Um, and so this the, I think it's just too much pressure. But the way that I look at it, for example, is and I was just teaching this last week at a trade show when I was talking about uh, teaching effective time management. We were talking about planning kind of your ideal week and doing the same thing week to week, at least having these blocks of time for certain things. And I asked one of the the attendees there saying, what would be most convenient for you if you were in control of your schedule 100% of the time, when would you do sales calls? And so we kind of mapped out saying, okay, two, for whatever reason, this person said, okay, from, from Tuesdays uh, on Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m. to 1, p, uh, 1 p.m. That would be a convenient time for me as a construction business owner to have sales calls. And then another time would be maybe Thursday afternoon from three to five. And I said, okay, so that's when you should try to schedule most of your sales calls. Now, meaning we're working with homeowners and sometimes we have to be in their homes when they're, when they're home. So what would be another convenient time for you um, to do a sales call? And this guy said, okay, Wednesday, Wednesday evenings from four to 6 PM. I said, okay, great. So, and then he, he kind of interrupted me and he said, he goes, yeah. And so if I could plan that, then I could get a full day of work in and then go out on a sales call. And I was like, yeah, and that's the problem. We could just cram more work in. We could just make more sales calls in the evening so that we could work 10 or 12 hours during the day and then go do our sales calls. And I said, this is part of where the work-life integration comes in, saying if you're in control of your schedule and you've got certain times that you're planning to go out in the on the site to meet with clients and do sales calls, and you end up uh, working late one evening, let's say past you know 4 o'clock, you know, 4 to 6 o'clock, then the way that you integrate work-life balance, when those Wednesdays happen and you're going to be working until 6 or 7 p.m., then as the business owner anyway, plan on coming in later Wednesday morning. Don't come in at 7. Come in at 9. And what the take the kids to school, have coffee with your spouse, whatever, you know, whatever that thing is, just don't work. We can always do more work. But when you force yourself not to work, then you also force yourself to to get focused on the time you do have to work and you'll just get more done. And that's why I see a lot of a lot of business owners, we all, you know, we work Saturdays and Sundays, but I'm always very careful and look at it to say, okay, if I have to put a full day in on Saturday, is the work that I'm doing going to drive my business further? Right. If so, if so, then yeah, we suck it up and 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 we integrate that, which means like for for example, uh, I'm telling my wife, Hey honey, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the, the 10 year old to soccer. You take the other two to karate today. Then I'll meet you back off, meet you at the, at the dojo, drop them off. And then I've got to go do some work because I've got this thing coming up. You know, I've got a, I've got a podcast with Brett on Monday that I really want to prepare for. So I got to, that's going to help propel, propel the business. Um, and so you integrate those things into it as opposed to just defaulting saying, well, I've got work to do. I guess I'm going to work all day Saturday and asking yourself, does this work propel my business forward? Does continually working Saturdays, Sundays, weekends, evenings, whatever, is any of this, am I better off now uh, for having done this? And if the answer is no, then just stop doing it. Right. And if, 
And it forces – it will force all of the things that are not important, uh, that are just urgent. It forces them out, and you just find that there were probably stuff that you didn't need to do in the first place, or you're being very inefficient with that time. Or maybe you're finding places where you can potentially offload work eventually. <laughs> hire well, yeah, an admin, that, hire another person, right? That's, like That's where those opportunities start to creep in, where you start to recognize that you're spending your time in better ways. Um, yeah. And you can focus your energy in better places to propel your business forward. All right. Last question for you. So this is all kind of on theme with our, with our show. You know, it's called Time Limit, given yeah. a, a nod to the fact that everyone's trying to get it's a lot every, of work done yeah. with limited time, right? Like no matter what you're doing, you're in construction, you're in digital, you're in retail, whatever it is. So I'm curious, um, specifically within construction, like what are your top tips for business owners who feel like they've got limited time to focus on the administrative side of their business? Um, like w what are ways that you would advise someone to keep on top of things like, estimates and budgeting and finances and invoices, all of the things that you probably don't want to do because you do want to focus more on the creative stuff or like the tactical stuff and helping someone or helping a client. Yeah. So I, I often tell this and it's back, tell my clients this, and it's, it's kind of back to what I've mentioned before about designing your week. Uh, we just kind of default into this. Well, Monday through Friday is when everybody else works. So I guess I have to work Monday through Friday on producing work and then I'll spend whatever else time uh, managing managing the business. And I just kind of say, just throw all that out. You're in control. Set proper expectations, uh, but pick a day. Pick a day that is your – and I'm thinking of small construction business owners. Mm -hmm. Um, pick a day and make that your office day and manage around that. Now, some people, they're already in the thick of things and they're like, that's, that's crazy. I couldn't do that next week. Okay. If you can't do it next week, then just start with two hours, just two hours of focus time in the office, wherever okay. your office is, um, and pick the most important things. Um, and if you can not have to be on site for two hours, you'll realize that, the wheels aren't going to fall off. Your customers aren't going to hate you. Now, you need to set some expectations saying, hey, I'm not going to be out on the job site at Friday until 10 o'clock. And the reason is, is I'm going to be in the office doing invoicing for your project or I'm going to be help. I'm going to be doing some research on selections or I'm going to be talking to subcontractors and setting them up for the next week. Um, everybody else has got crazy schedules, too, so they'll understand. But sometimes we just have to set set the proper expectations and our clients, if they love us, which they should if they're giving us money to do something, um, then they'll they'll understand if you give them enough time. And I, that's why I say if you need to start with two hours, start with two hours because if you can do two hours, then you can you can get it up to four. If you can get to four hours, then you can do a whole day. If you can do a whole day, then you can do two days. And if you can do two days, then you can get it up to three days. Now, hmm. what that's going to require you to do is to say with one day in the office. I don't have as much time to be out in the field producing, so I might need to hire somebody else to do that. But if I can do that and find somebody else to produce for me, then I can focus on the things that drive the income to the business, the sales, the marketing, the business development, the estimating system, every you know everything else in, in the business. And so that's why I, I think um, the, the, the thing that, that small construction business, really any business owner or manager can do is pick a day. 
uh, and call it your office day, your admin day, and then just train everybody around you. This is the day that I do X, Y, and Z. So I'm not going to be available to do those other things. And what that does automatically starts training your team. And what I mean by that is if I'm going into the office on Fridays, Fridays are my estimating day and say my invoicing day, I'm, I'm cranking through a bunch of numbers and I've got a team of people out in the field that I'm normally managing, then I'm just going to tell them I'm not going to be available on Fridays. So what that automatically trains them, and you have to tell them to do this, said, saying if you whatever you need on Friday and I'm not available, then you're going to have to get that information on Thursday. Right. Yeah, so and, it sounds like it's really about controlling and managing your own schedule, making the time to do that stuff far in advance, and then communicating about it so that yeah. everyone around you is super clear on what's going to happen. Because I think the thing about the administrative work is that a lot of people don't want to do it <laughs> and yeah. it falls by the wayside. And then when that happens, you get backed up and you have to work even more. Well, um, here's, here's the funny thing about the administrative stuff too, especially for construction business owners. And this is what's so odd for, for us to think about is we can't imagine sitting in an office and, and punching numbers into a spreadsheet, reconciling the books, or spell-checking contracts, or sending out emails um, to other people to get them to buy stuff from us. Like, that's just foreign to us, because who wants to do that? But the thing is, is there are people called executive assistants, and account managers, and office managers, and accountants, and software developers, and, and they love to do that stuff. Right. They can't imagine being out in the heat or the cold or the dust <laughs> or the right. dirt. Right. So it's just a, it's, it's just a, um, it's a mental shift. It's a mindset sort of thing where we say, well, I hate doing the book work. Great. You probably suck at it anyway. So there is somebody out there that loves to do book work and they're looking for an opportunity to do exactly the work that you have. And when you, it, it, you're not doing the book work good, you're not doing it well anyway. So get somebody that's a ninja at it and you'll find that your business will grow so much faster Yeah, if you, if you can do it. But it's a, it's a mindset thing. So I, I'll talk to a lot of construction business owners and they say, Sean, you know, I just don't know if, uh, if I can afford to hire somebody and uh, to do that. And I'll say, you're looking at it the wrong way. It's not that you can't afford to hire them. It's that you can't not afford to hire them. I mean, you could, for example, you could pay a bookkeeper. And again, I'm just making up a number. Let's 50 bucks an hour, right, to come in, work part time, even even remotely these days. You know, you, your bookkeeper does not have to be next door uh, or in your same town. But that person that you might hire for 50 bucks an hour enables you to go out and stand in front of a homeowner for two hours mm -hmm. and sell a project that's going to net $10,000 to the company. So the, the thing is, is you're spending time at what you could pay somebody 50 bucks an hour to do at the cost of, you know, if it takes two hours to net $10,000 for, a that's an average of $5,000 an hour, right? Like you can't afford not to bring somebody in. Right. Um, <laughs> but when you look at it like that, and that's what it takes is to say, okay, and that's what I help my clients with is say, okay, I get that now, but I don't have any money right now. And they say, okay, now we're thinking, let's go do some things that generate income now, provide cash now, and so that we can hire that person so that you can continue to do the things that are, um, that are providing that, 
that cash or that income. And that's where you just, that's where the systems come in. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking his advice all ties back to those statements. Be happy, right? You're not yeah. going to be happy if you're doing the admin work and you're just not good at it, right? So find someone else to do it. Be, right. per, be persistent. Find other ways to make that work. Find another person. Find more time. Do what you can to make your business do well. Be creative. Find different ways to go about the problem, right? Is it finding another person? Is it finding more time? What are the ways that you're going to make that happen? So I thought that was, that was really interesting and also really good advice. And I think we're just about out of time. I'm wondering if you've got any final advice or things that you want to mention to our listeners. Yeah. So back to the first thing that we, you know, we had talked about was the, was the understanding the financials. That's a really very tactical sort of thing. And that's where a lot of construction business owners need to start out. And so I've got, I've got a book for you. It's called Profit First for Contractors, How to Transform Your construction business from a cash any monster to a money making machine. And uh, I've been blown away by the response of the book. Uh, if you are a construction business owner and you're struggling with anything on the financial side, I, I am not, I do not have an MBA. I am not a CPA there. I don't, there are no letters at the end of my name. <laughs> um, uh, but this book is for you. It's written by somebody that was too dumb to know the difference. Like I said, to, to give up and figured out how to manage the cash in a construction business. And I've received, uh, I've received so much feedback from the book, uh, that people saying, I thought you were writing this book for me. So I'm not saying that to, to brag. I'm saying that it, it is the key for construction business owners to understand one of their biggest problems, uh, in their, in their business is the financial side of it. And it's not just a book of financials. You're going to hear stories about contractors just like yourself that walk through this, this cash management system and, uh, and it completely transformed their business. Um, but if you don't do anything else with the book, what mainly the, the main point of the book is when you get money into your business, some of that money has got to be set aside for your profits. That's the reason that you're in, that you're in business. Don't let anybody tell you anything. Otherwise, um, if you don't have profits, then you can't serve your family, your employees and your community. So when you bring some of that money in, you're going to take some of that and you're going to set it aside in a bank account and you're not going to touch it. And when you don't touch it, that money will still be there at the end of the year, um, or at the end of the quarter or the end of the month or whatever. And it is a, People say, well, managing your cash can't be that simple. It's very complicated. My CPA says so. Your CPA is wrong. It really is that simple. Um, and so when you take some of that money, you set it aside and you don't have enough money to pay your bills. It's not because of your profits. Your profits aren't the problem. It's the way you're operating your business. Uh, and so it forces you to do, do things differently in your business without sacrificing the most important thing in your business, which is profit. So that would be my biggest advice. I know it sounds kind of self-serving, but buy my book, Profit First for <laughs> Contractors. And within within three months, you will completely change the way that you look at the money in your business. That's awesome. So Profit First for Contractors, there's a link to that on our website at teamgant.com under podcasts, as well as your bio and some other ways for people to get in touch with you. I would love to have you back on the show to talk more about estimating and planning construction projects. Um, so hopefully I can get you back. I know you're a super busy guy, but hopefully I can get you back sometime soon. Thank you so much for being here, Sean. Really appreciate it. Hey, Brett, thank you so much. And, and uh, anytime, anywhere, you just let me know. I'd be, I'd be happy to keep 
putting out good information for construction business owners. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thanks. Wow. That conversation was jam-packed with inspiration, ideas, and even tactics. Sean has a wealth of information about running construction projects and businesses. Honestly, we didn't get to everything I wanted to discuss, so you can expect to see him back on time limit in the future. In the meantime, check out the show notes for more information on Sean Van Dyke and all of the great work that he's doing. And please don't forget to share, rate, and like our podcast on your podcast listening service of choice. And come back for the next episode, which is going to be all about dealing with social politics. Thanks. Thanks.